what I will say about that church, we only went twice. And the reason we only went twice is because the first time that we went, it was their second service. Ever? Or their no, like no, no, second their, the no, their second service of the day. Yeah. And uh, the pastor was pre-recorded and projected onto a screen in front of this massive auditorium. So he wasn't even present. Wow. So there's not even the real presence of the pastor. There's not even the real presence of a human being. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode three of How Did You Get Here? I'm your host, Rob Drapeau, and today I sit down with my friend, Jacob Delph. Jake's a really good guy. He's the brother of the kid who gave me my nickname in high school when I was a teacher, not a student. I'm going to ask him the question, how did you get here? Hi. Hello. How'd I get there? It was a ways. No, I was away. So you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to say what and have a really funny reaction. And then I'm supposed to explain to you that it's, that's, that's my little thing because it's a thing. But maybe it's a thing and you didn't even need it explained to you because you, you've been listening to the podcast. Oh, religiously. Oh, that's good. You're a religious person. Okay. So, uh, you are who exactly? I am Jacob Delph. Jacob Delph. Jacob Delph. In the intro that I've already recorded, that yes. the people who are listening to this just listened to, mm-hmm. I said that your claim to fame was is that you you do have fame. It's this. By the way, this is going to be like most of your 15 minutes of fame right now. This is now. the only part that's going to be worth anything. Yeah, no, <laughs> we'll see. I'll... I'll, I'll, uh, I'll I'll make sure I send a copy to the Vatican just for their records. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. I'm sure. Uh, I told them, you, if you're still a listener after this, mm-hmm. uh, that your claim to fame is that your brother gave me my nickname as a teacher in high school when he was in high school and I was his teacher. That sounds more like my brother's claim to fame. Well, you're related to him. Well, that's true. Yeah. So you're famous, kind of. Like, like you're you're like a second class relic of fame. I'm part of his entourage. Yes. So I'm, so do you want to tell people what my nickname was? Uh, it was Heavy D. Heavy D. Yeah. And yeah. you gave him a nickname as well. I did, you and did. I'm so clever because your brother's scrawny. He is. He's yeah. 115 pounds soaking wet. Soaking wet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I called him D Light. Right. Which means I'm super clever. That is super clever. Well, with the name Drapeau Delph, they both begin with a D. Yeah. How do you not get the connection? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it works really well. Okay, so uh, how did you get here? I took the 51, took the 202, and then the 51, and no, I... So, uh, listeners, he didn't listen to the second episode where we (laughs) talked about the smart alecky response, so apparently this is funny in his mind, but yes, he took the 51 to get here, so... Yeah, I'm my own best audience. You are, well, I'm I'm my own best audience, too, so... uh, yeah, so tell us uh, this. Well, tell us about yourself and how you wound up um, coming into the church, and not literally just now coming yeah. into the church, but uh, literally uh, coming into the communion into the, of the Rome. Faith, yeah, the, the, the fullness Catholic. of the communion. Yes. Um, well, it uh, in retrospect, it's very clear. Like many things, when you're in the middle of it. You know, it's it's foggy. It's hard to see what's going on until you have that clarity of looking backwards. Um, when I start, when I, well, my family always went to church 
um, growing up, we went to a church that was nominally non-denominational, but Methodist in practice. All right. So pretty mainline. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like nominally non-denominational. It's uh, like it. The, yeah. Okay. The only reason I say that is because uh, when I was applying to Brophy, well, when my folks were applying to Brophy for me, um, you could not put down non-denominational as your Christian faith. You had to put a denomination. And like, so we, like, well, I think they were meant, they meant like a <clears throat> Benjamin. Yeah, you know, right. You put, you put a little hundred dollar bill on there, and well, then for, you had a, you know, for Brophy, that was for us poor kids, you yeah, know, just yeah. the Benjamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I mean, at the time, I had no idea what denomination meant in terms of practice and and ritual and worship. Um, so, yeah, we. So you clicked Methodist, or you? Yeah, clicked. Yeah, I live in the future now, so right. Yeah, right. you checked it on the box or mm-hmm. whatever with pen and paper. It's, yeah. The kids won't know what that is pretty soon. Stylus, papyrus, right, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I got my my chisel out and etched it on the te- on the tablet. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you you put down Methodist and then you became a Methodist mm-hmm. that way, and that's how magically. I became a Methodist. Apparently, right? That's pretty easy. Yeah, it wasn't hard. I mean, I didn't have to go through RCIA or anything. It yeah. was pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> so, so you you're saying that your your family was. Uh, not super religious, or they you they always went to church. Was- yeah, we, we went to church every every Sunday. Um, we were quite active in the church. The Boy Scout troop that I was part of was also intertwined with the church, and um, but I wouldn't say it, we weren't spiritual. We didn't pray together. Um, we didn't even pray before meals, really. Um, I had a friend bless the food chain once. So and he and he was like covered, you know. It's like yeah, it's like blanket blessing. Well, yeah, he's like you know, dear Lord, bless the food chain, and then you never have to pray for a meal again. That's so. nice, real time saver. Yeah, he's about efficiency. Is he Asian? Is it? Oh uh, no, he was not, or racist. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can say that my fiance is Filipino. So oh yeah, now I'm you allowed. Can. I'm allowed. Now you to. can. Yeah, you can yeah. make all the Filipino jokes. Yeah, you want. Sure. twelve months ago, that would have been a total I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll see. I'll, <laughs> I'll consult with her later and right. find out if you're telling us the truth. I don't so. want to get hit in the arm again, Rob. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we were not religious. And I remember asking um, my parents questions growing up. Um, call it just the, you know, gift that God gave me to be inquisitive in this way. But um, I remember asking my dad when I was probably in sixth grade, you know, he was just tucking me into bed, sitting on the end of my bed. And I remember saying... Um, Dad, well, if Adam and Eve were the first humans that God created, what was here before Adam and Eve? And I remember he didn't have a good answer at all. My dad was a, he passed away almost a year ago, as yeah. you know, we're, we're coming up on the first anniversary. And um, he was a very sharp guy, very smart guy in a lot of ways, um, very wise guy, but I don't think he was extraordinarily educated about his faith. He knew that faith was important. Um, but growing up, it felt like more of a cultural thing. You went to church to learn good values and be a good person and, you know, um, do yeah, the right thing. A lot of, a lot of people stop their uh, faith formation when they get first communion or, or confirmation or whatever it is that your dad got. You know, they, yeah. once Sunday school's over, they're done. Yeah. Um, I actually started a... a a, a class at, at the parish called Monday School, which was like you know for what was supposed to come after Sunday School, mm-hmm. um, but because it's funny, you get you get somebody who is 
you know, has an MBA or a PhD in astrophysics, you know, and, and they still have a third or fourth grade understanding of yeah. their faith. So, yeah, I, I think that's pretty common. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know lots of studies have been done that show there's not much correlation between intelligence and wisdom. Ah. So I think that's always interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I can confirm that. You know, there's <laughs> definitely a lot of people I've met who are uh, 4.0 idiots, you know. Yeah. So I was speaking from fools, experience, I should you know, say. personal, yeah. personal experience. But, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, okay. So, so uh, your dad didn't have a good answer for mm-hmm. your question. No, he didn't. Um, and I would ask my mom, you know, we'd be driving by the Lutheran church and just say, well, why don't we go to church there? Oh, well, they believe different things than we do. Well, like what? What do they believe? And again, there was no good answer. And that's, you know, when you're at that middle school, early high school age, that's very unsatisfying when you're a curious person and it just makes you want to know more. Yeah. You know, um, so. That's something you have to look forward to. By the way, <laughs> I, can't, with Hudson. I can't wait. <laughs> but why? Yeah, why, why, Dad? Why? Why? Um, so, yeah, after I graduated high school, um, well, I went to went to Brophy and, and thank God that I did in a lot of respects just because there was that permission to view your faith and question your faith and, and follow your faith. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember uh, Stickney, Mr. Stickney. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was my religion teacher oh, really? when I was a student there. <laughs> I was there his first year. Really? And we got him to tell us the same story like four days in a row. And it was pretty funny because yeah. we thought we were hilarious. Yeah. But having been a teacher, I think the joke might have been on us. I think he might have made us think that, you know, he was having us tell him the story four times. But uh, whatever, you know. Uh, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, he was my he was my uh, religion teacher as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as you get older, sometimes you realize that it's it's funnier if you don't let them in on the fact that you know exactly what they're doing. It's yeah. funnier for you. Well, it's three lesson plans you don't have to make. Right? So. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, Mr. Stickney taught senior synthesis, which I, uh, so the whole course is, um, you know, geared around your one, it's the, my dimension of ultimacy was the title of the paper. And it's basically a synthesis of your faith up to this point. And it's a senior level paper and it's, I don't know, 15 pages, I think. Yeah. And I dug it out uh, relatively recently. I was going through some stuff and read it. And in some ways I read it and I go, you know, looking back at my 18-year-old self saying, boy, that is really, really wise. And then two sentences later, I'll read something and go, that is incredibly naive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's funny, the the dichotomy that goes on. But I can see sort of the the seeds of a Catholic faith that's just beginning to be formed uh, back there. Um, So after I graduated high school and I went to university and didn't really have one of those, you know, moments that kids who grew up in the church have where they like outright reject God, they're done with it. I'm not doing the God thing anymore. Uh, It was, but I wasn't living for God in any sense of the word. I didn't go to church ever. Um, You know, if people would ask me, I'd always say, yes, of course, I believe in God, but yeah, that was about the extent of it. You would uh, this is the uh, was it the first law of or second law of thermodynamics? You'd basically cool to room temperature, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, I, I was punching down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was college, and mm-hmm. then um, mm-hmm. what what turned the heat back up? Uh, mostly the birth of my son. Um, 
you know, I, I wasn't married, had, had my son. Um, I remember another funny story about my dad. I was so confused at the time because you know, all these emotions go through you when you're in this situation, you know, of your own bad judgment. And, uh, you know, the, the woman I was dating at the time, when we found out that, that we were pregnant, I said, okay, well, I got to do the right thing and we have to get married. So, um, proposed, she said yes, and it became, I mean, I had misgivings about this pretty early on um, because yeah, it wasn't a serious relationship. And um, I remember asking my dad after we were engaged, dad, if we don't get married, am I going to hell? Like wow. that was the understanding of And your last, your last question to him was like, <laughs> what was before Adam and Eve? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. right. Yeah. So these are the extremes of our religious conversation. Yeah. Um, and he told me, no, you're not going to hell. And, uh, there was, it was clear that there was a lot of reasons why we shouldn't be married. Yeah. Um, so I made that decision and jumping ahead, um, we had equal custody and it just was really put upon me that I was not living how I was supposed to be living. Um, and if nothing else for his sake, I needed to get back to where I knew I should be in my soul. That I was missing God in my life. I wasn't doing anything for him. I wasn't seeking after him. I wasn't loving him and learning about him. I wasn't doing any of these things. Um, and I thought, well, you know, put, put my stake in this aside, but I have a responsibility to him. So if nothing else, I need to give him an upbringing. Yeah, that's that's really interesting and beautiful too. You know that that you know. The, I mean, you, you you didn't rationally think about it, right? You just uh, you just he came with that sense of responsibility. Oh, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm looking at him, and there's this brand new life that now I'm in charge of. Isn't that terrifying when, when they when they let you take the baby home from the hospital yeah. and you're like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. You don't want to see my you know, I, qualifications you or anything. I, you haven't it's, tested how often I can make that burrito with, know. The, with, the, with the blanket. You can make scrambled eggs and cereal. And that's oh, the extent no. of it. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was, it was that call. And it, it's funny because I almost... I don't want to say that that I had to build my faith back up because I was so uneducated about what I believed, but I had to, you know, make the decision, okay, Lord, I'm going to cooperate with you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. If it, if it feels uncomfortable, I will do it, but I'm really going to seek after the truth here and uh, see what I need to do to bring my son up um, with the responsibility that I've been given. And really, so you had joint custody right from the get go, mm -hmm. right? From the and you are you never lived with with his mom That's or right. anything. No, we we stopped being engaged before he was born, actually. Mm. Um, so that's a another long story we could get into. Yeah, no. So so you had him, you bring him home. Mm -hmm. Were you living with your folks at the time? Or no, you I, on I, your own? I was living on my own. Uh, I had a condo, and so here you are. Single, yeah. single dad for uh, three or four nights a week or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, it and was, holding this kid and looking at him like, here are you? I remember, was, I remember when, the, when the baby doesn't sleep, you're terrified. And then yeah. when they sleep, you're like, wait, is it dead? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. Um, you're, you're spot on. The first night uh, that I had him overnight, his crib was in my bedroom. And I pulled his crib like right up 
next to my bed, so they were touching. So they won't, you know, there was no space. So you space. could nurse them. So yeah, 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 exactly. So it was it was a little uncomfortable, but he got me going. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's that scene in Kingpin. I don't know. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> well, we can edit that I think, out. I think I don't remember it for yeah, a reason. So. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I remember lying on my side right up next to the edge of my bed because he was right against the slats in the crib, so I could literally see his chest move up and down and make sure he was still breathing because you're right you go he could just stop breathing in the middle of the night and I, I don't know i've never yeah, been yeah. through this before it's terrifying yeah, it's terrifying yeah 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 and so. it doesn't get any better when you have two you're like maybe the first one was a fluke and like, <laughs> yeah maybe i just got lucky yeah. you know yeah uh, but so that that brought you that made you start thinking about your dimension of ultimacy it, all it, over again. That's good. I like how you brought that. Yeah, we're well, yeah, It's like you've done this before. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means though. I mean, yeah. that's like that's Joe Stickney talking. You yeah, know? That I mean, is. he's so funny. But he, you know, because I remember they they talked about was it the new and the like the N O U S right? Oh the, right. The, and, yeah. yeah. So it's like uh, what do you? I, I I was he he was way smarter than I was. And he, he was so a very sharp guy. I, I was very playing about stuff like, yeah yeah uh so so you started thinking about that and then did, what, did, what did you do did you go back to your non-denominational but in but methodist upbringing or how did you i didn't know where to start to be uh to be frank my i have an uncle who's a pastor my dad's brother's pastor um so, of you know they were kind of a charismatic light sort of a church now he does a lot of overseas kind of business ministry uh, okay. Um, he travels uh, to New Zealand and the Philippines quite a bit, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but his oldest daughter, my cousin, um, I called her because she and her husband and their kids were still attending church regularly, and uh, just said, "Hey, can we go to church with you?" They were going to CCV up north. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you know, I told her that I want to start pursuing my faith again, and just didn't know what to do or where to go, and. I didn't even know what being a Methodist was, so I couldn't just walk into a Methodist church and say, oh, this feels like home, you know? So um, the last guy was a heroin addict. The last guy I interviewed. Oh, really? You go to Methadone. Methadone Clinics. church. So I'm just trying yeah. to get out of method. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's just me being stupid. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were, you were going to I, – I, I always liked the Methodist. Uh, I like John Wesley. I thought he was a pretty good guy. Yeah. And actually his, his a lot of his hymns – are pretty eucharistic it's it's really interesting but like methodism the whole thing was you had a, a method for living out your faith so mm-hmm. you're gonna you know you f- you feed the poor on monday and you you clothe the naked on tuesday yeah. you, you educate the ignorant on wednesday you know s- stuff like that yeah yeah that's my summary of it it's well, probably not exactly accurate but well from what i've read relatively recently he was pretty complimentary of church fathers too so he wasn't a he wasn't a calvinist he wasn't a you know Reformed Church of the Church went off the rails in you yeah. know, the 16th century. Well, never they, 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 they split from the Church of England, right? The, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's where they're. I don't want to. I don't want to say anymore because I'll, I'll confirm my ignorance. Yeah, uh, expose it. But so you were going to CCV, mm-hmm. which is the church with the ubiquitous. Uh, window decals in the yes, cars. they are everywhere. And I, what I will say about that church, my we only went twice. Pardon me. We only went twice. And the reason we only went twice is because the first time that we went, it was their second service. Ever? Or their no, like no, no, second no, their, the no, their second service of the day. Yeah. And uh, the 
pastor was pre-recorded and projected onto a screen in front of this massive auditorium. So he wasn't even present. Wow. So there's not even the real presence of the pastor. There's not even the real presence of a human being who's leading the service, let alone Christ. <laughs> that's that's yeah. mean. Okay, that's and funny. It just it you know it just touched a nerve somewhere where I said, what if I have a question about his sermon? What if what if I want to go up and talk to him afterwards? He's not even here. It just didn't even it, it sat very uncomfortably with me, and I just knew innately that this isn't right. That's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny how how churches are like that. Like I'm trying to remember the the one of my favorite sayings from a theologian. It's actually a Protestant theologian, but he said the word became flesh, and through theologians, it became words again. You oh, know, yeah, that's and so I think about you know you know here's here's a church where the the pastor's not even physically present, but um, all all the stuff you know. They have altar calls, but no altars. Mm-hmm. You know, all these yeah. things are kind of left over. Anyway, yeah. So it's just funny. But yeah. So that made you think. So you, so you said, I want to ask him a question. Yeah. So yeah. that's okay. So explain that to me. That's actually pretty interesting. Cause well, I, I thought, well, what this is, it, it felt more like a performance than it did. It felt, I mean, it felt like I was watching a movie. Mm. He wasn't even humanly there in the room with us. Um, now was it? I mean, was this a like a satellite church, and the and the main pastor was at another uh, church? He had somewhere else to be, so they recorded the first okay. service where he was actually there, and then projected it onto a screen for the second service. Okay. Um, so that didn't. Yeah, it, we we stopped going there relatively quickly. Um, so what I did was I used to DJ quite a bit, and I was. Okay, <laughs> that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it's so funny because you don't look like a DJ at all. You look like like Michael Gross from <laughs> Family Ties. So, uh, yeah, I guess in his younger, cuter bit. days, right? You know, well, so. yeah, pre Back to the Future or post Back. To no, the not not Michael J. Fox, the dad with the oh, beard. Oh, okay, you know. the the one who was the aging hippie with the, with yeah, the basically, conservative. Basically, son. you. Yeah, you right. Know, yeah, yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to vote for Bernie. <laughs> uh, so uh, you did, used to DJ a lot, you said. I, yeah, I used to DJ a lot. And uh, I had stopped, you know, before all this. But there was one small group of friends, because that scene is not very Christian. It's not very conservative. It's it's just isn't conducive to the, that kind of lifestyle. Uh, so To the Christian church lifestyle? Well, to Christianity in general, it's, I mean, it's a nightlife scene. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's very creative and artistic and you get a lot of creatives there, um, but also nightlife creatives. So I never understood things like, was it Dead Mouse? Mm-hmm. He was like a DJ, right? Yeah. Or, he, well, he would perform, you know, with sort of samplers and synths and he would perform live. Yeah, I just I never I never quite understood what was so special about the DJ, you know, because you know, yeah. like remember DJ Jazzy Jeff and mm-hmm. the Fresh Prince? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. Fresh Prince is the only one you care about now. Well, you know? yeah. So, uh, now that he's everywhere, um, but uh, I never I never quite it never occurred to me that how much creativity might be in in being a DJ. Yeah, you know? like, and it, it's changed quite a bit. It used to be just. You know, you'd have two turntables and a mixer. And, and a, now, and a microphone. And a mic. Yeah, yeah. No, 
<laughs> I did not scratch. I didn't. I didn't get on the mic and hype the crowd up. So I was pretty boring. Impaired the door, loser baby. <laughs> right, right. That's a different song, though, isn't it? Uh, back is it two turntables and microphones, not loser, is it? Uh, no, I think it is. It is not. Well, then I'm. I'm so cool. You I'm are not a loser. See, no, no soy un perdedor. You would have fit right in. Yeah, well, that's not usually true. So uh, <laughs> I can't fit in either of my cars. So. Uh, Bump my head every time I get in the car. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, sorry well, for taking yeah, you off the DJ. No, thing. no, that's fine. It, it, the The point of that was is that the the few of us who did lean in that direction, um, you know, like towards decency and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. human dignity. Yeah, yeah okay. that, right. Your respect for ourselves. That, yeah, <laughs> it's getting pretty vicious. Uh, but we all knew each other clearly because we gravitated towards each other because you just have a sense of that, that about somebody. Um, so one of those guys who I'm still very good friends with, he's actually standing up in my wedding. Um, awesome. I called him up and said, hey, I, are you going to church right now? And he said, yeah. And Right now. Yeah, well. So, okay. Sunday morning, 930. That's right. All right, go um, ahead. And he said, uh, yeah, we are. And I said, hey, do you mind if Hudson and I go with you next time? He said, no, that'd be great. And uh, so, so this is... This is back in time. This isn't you asking That's right. him. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking this is when you were asking him to be your um, no, 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 no. This so. is oh, geez, quite a while ago. Yeah, um, and I remember uh, that first conversation. I think we spoke for an hour and a half about I mean, the nature of time and the nature of God within time, and it got very philosophically deep very quickly, and we just seemed to piggyback off each other. We both had these same interests um, uh, in, in philosophy and the nature of God and what it means. You know, if God, we know God has these attributes, what that means for, you know, his creation. And, and it just headed towards that direction and it got pretty deep pretty quickly and uh, went to church with him. And at the time, and he was going where? He was going to a church called Via. It's in uh, Mesa. V-I-A or V-I-L-A? V-I-A, like the way. The way, yeah, okay. Via. Um, and it's kind of a Pentecostal light sort of a church. He grew up Pentecostal and full on Pentecostal, mm-hmm. uh, speaking in tongues and you know standing up in church and waving and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but at the time, for about probably a year or so prior to my phone call to him, he had really been getting into Christian philosophy. People like uh, William Lane Craig okay. and these kinds of individuals, and he turned me on to them. And I remember I had a lot of insecurity about coming back to my faith just in terms of, does this mean that I have to... Yeah, start believing that the the world is 6,000 years old. Right, exactly. Do I become like a flat earther or something just totally reprehensible? Um, And he really turned me on to the fact that no, non-belief in God is much less rational than belief in God. It is so much more logically coherent to understand that there is you know, a, a unmoved mover than... An unmoved mover, yeah. ...than not. Chesterton says that uh, in order for there to be a miracle, the... the Sorry, no, it's something, it's something about miracles. He says uh, for, a, for a Christian to acknowledge a miracle is, is no big deal mm-hmm. because God can... Uh, suspend the laws of nature if he wants to, and and uh, an atheist though, there's there's the possibility of a miracle is 
is it's not it cannot be right know? so right. so the 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 atheism is actually no forget that i mean I, like it, well, it's it's more it's more it's like uh, for uh, i wish i i'm gonna have to find it i'm gonna put it in the yeah, notes in the show notes because <laughs> uh, cheston cheston talks about how the the and a Christian can accept a natural explanation for a miracle, but uh, an atheist can never accept yeah, a miraculous explanation, even though even though it might be logical. Yeah. He, he has to automatically rule everything out, and yeah. so it winds up being more religious to be an atheist than oh yeah than you'd think. Anyway, but um, well, so so he convinced you that the the life of of the mind was compatible with mm-hmm. the faith, right? Right, and uh, you know did a, did a pretty deep dive into that area of it and uh, it really strengthened my resolve it really showed me that okay this is this is something that is reality i mean what does frank sheed say that the definition of sanity is it's it's living in the real world not necessarily the world that everybody's living in that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, you know if the world is telling you that that there is no god that doesn't mean that they're saying that just means that that's what they're saying and that's what they believe but it yeah. doesn't make it so um, so, uh, eventually we, we probably were on this path talking and reading and we used to talk three, four times a week for, for hours at a time, just about everything. I mean, in regards to this, like I was saying, the nature of time and omnipotence and omniscience and whether your outfits were going to match that kind of thing. Pretty too. much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's it thanked him for a lovely evening last night and we went about our separate ways. <laughs> uh, so they got deeper, and then what happened? And then we, we he before I actually. No, I before he. I before he, except after C. Except after C. Right, yeah. yeah. We, uh, you know, the, the fides were never something that I had even heard of, being a Protestant. And one day, he, he doesn't work far from here, and I went into his office. I had some extra time. We used to go to the gym, work out, and talk together. And uh, he said, do you know what Sola Scriptura is? So you're talking about the, the solas or the fides? What does the fides mean? I'm sorry, the solas. Okay. This, I, I misspoke. Uh, the solas. And uh, so yeah, he said, do you know what, yeah, do you know what Sola Scriptura is? And I said, no, what's Sola Scriptura? And he said, well, that's essentially the belief that everything that one needs to know about Christianity is contained in the Bible, and that's the only source that you can rely on. And I immediately went, well, that's silly. What did Christians do for the first, you know, 40, 50 years after Christ? That doesn't yeah, make sense. 300 years after Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even before the, you know, letters, of the Gospels were written. It's, well, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. I mean, just... I, well, yeah, I always tell the joke about that, that idea... You know, like as if as if St. Paul and St. Peter and all those guys were actual Bible Christians the way mm-hmm. that they define it. You're right. Because it'd be like, you know, I always imagine uh, Philip standing there and, and uh, you know, Peter and James come up and say, hey, Philip, we're going to go get some falafel. You want to go with us? You know, I said, no, look, it says right here that I'm about to meet an Ethiopian <laughs> eunuch and I'm going to have to explain to him the scripture. You know? I don't have time uh, for that right now. Yeah, no, yeah. look, see, it's right here in the Bible, you know, uh, so... Yeah, I mean, for the first 300 years, that wasn't settled. Right. right? Yeah. And if you want to be a Bible Christian, the way that the people in the Bible, in the New Testament, were Bible Christians, mm-hmm. that means the Old Testament. You right, know? So right. Like, yeah, so Scripture, then, when every time they mention Scripture, they're talking about the Old Testament. Yeah. They're, they're talking so, about the Torah and everything. Um, <clears throat> so once that 
So that was it. I mean, he said, "Hey, sola scriptura is this." And you're like, mm, "Yeah, false. no." It was some people, some Protestants that I've run across. They have a big problem with this, with with sol, with, with not professing sola scriptura. And if you if you don't profess it, then you're not saved or something. Yeah, or? yeah. And it just, I mean, I had this immediate reaction to it. It just seemed. Well, the thing about it is, where is that taught in the scripture? Well, yeah. There's no. So, well, and there's no. <laughs> Biblical table of contents. There's right. No- yeah. I, I, I just posted that on somebody's Facebook feed. You know, they somebody somebody else was debating this. You know, show me in the scripture where there's one Catholic doctrine. And, oh, really? And so, so then I posted. I posted. You know, later on after people reacting to stuff, I just said, ask him which book of the Bible includes the table of contents. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, yeah. Where in the Bible does it say that you can only rely on the Bible? Yeah. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. So you would anyway, think that if that's what you're supposed to do, it would say that in yeah, the Bible. Yeah, in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so that's that's interesting. So you just you didn't go for it right away. Yeah, and and did so, that change your relationship with your friend? Or, uh, no, he he was starting down the path towards Catholicism before I was. Okay. So he was already, uh, you know, feeling that call and really figuring out. Okay, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, what does that mean? Not just you know, I go to Pentecostal or I'm a Baptist or I'm a whatever. What does it mean if I really want to be a Christian? Yeah. Um, and so once that sort of hit us, I, you know, for a while I fought it. Like I, I wanted to find a Protestant faith that didn't profess sola scriptura because I thought, well, this doesn't make logical sense. It, it can't be true. Um, so I'm going to find a Protestant faith that doesn't subscribe to sola scriptura. Well, you can't do it. Well, the, well what about the Anglicans? I mean, even most Lutherans. Well, no, I guess not most Lutherans. I'm yeah. crazy, but it seems to me that well, where are you going to find an Anglican church? You know, they're they're not everywhere around here. Do they maybe well, they, the Episcopalians, same, yeah, same yeah, flavor, kind of, yeah, kind of. And Episcopalians have a lot of their own issues going yeah, on right got now. Stuff that, going on, yeah, yeah, that I, I wouldn't be okay with. But you couldn't find any so, church that was not. So, so basically, that that's interesting because it basically. It rules out all the other arguments, right? Well, like, yeah. It, I mean, that's why that's why you don't believe in 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 you know a lot of the other religions that are, that are possible, right? If if well, if you think Jesus is just a man, then I'm not even going to explore you. I mean, you can yeah. you can explore yeah various flavors of Christianity. Uh, yeah. But but if if you're ruling something out, that it's a deal breaker. And so, Sola Scriptura was a deal breaker for yeah, you. Yeah, it was. It it just seemed false on its face. And uh, so I felt at the time I would not have been able to articulate it this way. But, you know, in the life of John Henry Newman, he kind of had this little interim period where he didn't feel like a Protestant, but he wasn't in the Catholic Church yet. And he wanted to try to live this way for a little while. He wanted to be, you know, an an apostolic. Yeah. Anglo-Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so for a while, I, I tried to make myself be okay with this, where I wasn't sure if I wanted to make the jump into the Catholic Church. What, but what, what was it about the Catholic Church that would keep you, like, what was it that didn't appeal to you? I mean, why not join the Catholic Church? Well, I still had a lot of investigating to do. Um, you know, once I, I started listening to a lot of talks on a lot of, um, there are a couple of Monsignors on YouTube that were um, giving lectures on the Eucharist, and that that one really hit home with me, the, what the Eucharist is and what it does to actually be able to take Christ into us in a real physical way, not in just that sort of nebulous 
Protestant. Oh yeah, I've got Christ in me. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. But to have Him actually nourish you from the inside out, which is what we need as human beings. Oh yeah. You know, like the. Yeah, I remember I was at a church camp once one summer, and this girl made a decision to follow Jesus. It was a parachurch, so it was it was not Catholic. It was mm-hmm. a non denominational ministry. And this girl made this decision to accept Jesus into her heart mm-hmm. and then immediately had an asthma attack. Oh. And so we took her away and we, you know, we started, we gave her a glass of water, helped her recover. And I said, next time you should ask him into your lungs. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a big difference, right? Because yeah. now we don't, you know, it's not, it isn't just this nebulous thing. It's like, okay, there's, there's Jesus. What does St. Thomas say? Um, uh, when he was here on earth, his divinity was hidden. But in the Eucharist, both his divinity and his humanity are hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, but we, we see him there. We accept him, body, blood, soul, and divinity, not only into our hearts, but onto our tongues and into our bellies. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry for no, uh, for uh, hijacking your no, uh, that's story. Okay. But, well, and I think I think you hit on it that you know, as human beings, we need that. We're both you know physical beings and we're spiritual beings, and we're a unification of those. So. I remember, you know, in RCIA, it dawning on me that, you know, you can actually taste Jesus. You can actually feel Jesus when you receive the Eucharist. And we need that comfort. I mean, why why do you want to be close to your children and close to your wife? Because we crave that physical contact. Yeah, and that's that, that to me is a really important point because, you know, I, I remember, you know, I was teaching theology. I taught your brother, mm-hmm. you know, and here's, you know, the story of the whole Old Testament is, is God drawing near to man, you know, right. uh, and, and every time he comes close to us, he goes, it's like, here's a burning bush. Look, here's a burning bush. And Moses is like, yeah, burning bush. Look, it, it, it's burning, but it isn't consumed. That's cool. That's like God. And, uh, and they still get it wrong, you know? Yeah. So eventually it's like, you know, do you remember, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, when he would do the IT guy, mm-hmm. you know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about in the yeah, Saturday yeah, Night yeah. Live sketch? It was like, Move, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, so What's I feel, wrong with AOL? Nothing <laughs> except it doesn't understand JavaScript. <laughs> uh, but but I, I always love that thing where he's like, move, and he kicks the guy out of the seat. Yeah. And like, and, and in some ways, it's like, all right, man, get back to me, you know. And like, you got to you got to bridge this gap and come back and re- reunite with with the Godhead. Yeah. And man can't do it, and so finally he just says, move. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. He comes down, becomes one of us. And he goes through all this effort, you know, really, you know, whatever effort. But he, he goes through the whole process of of becoming a man and 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 being there in the flesh and, and you know being incarnate. Yeah. And then and then he just leaves us again, like with nothing. Like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. why why bother becoming visible and taking on our nature and doing all this stuff so that we can see you, touch him, you know, see him, touch him, taste him, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Why why even bother if if you're just going to disappear again, I mean, like if, yeah. if the if if the word becomes flesh and then just becomes words again, right, right. So like it makes I mean it just makes a lot of sense to me that no, he's going to stay here. He he he. he well, Frank Sheed, you mentioned him before, but mm-hmm. Frank Sheed in his he's got a book called The Map of Life. I think. Um, I mean, I know he has a book called The Map of Life, but I think it's in that book where he talks about Jesus Christ tells us that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that that ministry of being the way being the tr- teaching the truth um giving the life is something that the church continues to do 
Oh yeah. Uh, today, you know, so like the the church tells you this is the way to behave. This is the this is right right religion, you know, and, and it teaches the truth. And it's the only institution that's doing that. You right, know? right. Uh, and it and it gives us the life by giving us the the sacraments. Yeah, the bread of life. Um, yeah, but you know, baptism mm-hmm. and reconciliation, yeah, the whole sure. thing, confession, and. Uh, it, that just makes so much more sense that he oh, would. Yeah. That he, and plus, you know, the one of the things I used to always, I used to always get um, in, in kind of cheeky with my Protestant friends was, they would they would say, well, the church is invisible, and they would say that you know it's just you can be a, you can be a Catholic and be a Christian, be a member of the church, and they were like really generous of them to tell me that right. you know. Thank you, thank but, you. But and and you could be a Baptist and not be in the church. You know, it just depends on your right relationship with God. And I always said, well. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he says it's like a net cast into the water, and then the and you, you draw the net in, mm-hmm. and then you start tossing the fish out that are bad. And it's like how do you get bad fish in a net that only gathers like the the true Christians? And right. that, so it has to be that there's a physical, you know, human in the flesh yeah. uh, institution with people that are good and people that are bad in it, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, so that to me was, that was, that was one of the reasons why I, I think, uh, I mean, to, to me, it just seems, uh, counter, uh, productive to make yourself more difficult, you know, for, yeah. for God to come and make himself manifest and then make himself then turn around immediately and make himself yeah, well, harder and, to and, harder to understand and and go through all this sacrifice and then not leave us with some way of discerning what is true and what is just of man. I mean, yeah. that's, that's silly. I remember telling you, um, you know, when you were sponsoring me and I was going through the process that one thing that is so relieving about the church is that it provides a way to discern what is actually of Christ and what is not in the magisterium and the teaching authority. Because once I understood that, where that authority comes from, all the other doctrines that so many Protestants have problems with, you know, the perpetual virginity of Mary or the Immaculate Conception or, or the Eucharist or any of these things, the authority of the church comes from Christ himself. Right. So I don't need to feel worried that one of these things might not be true yeah. because the church is given the authority from Christ to teach what is true. Yeah, and he promises that the Holy Spirit, that's the thing, right? He says, the Holy, I'm going to send you another advocate, you know, the paraclete, he's right. going to lead you into all truth. How does that, how does that happen? You know, yeah. because, because all, the, you know, the, the, I've heard, I've heard that there are 30,000 different sects, like Christian denominations, yeah, I know it's with, a, you know, that are non-denominational, yeah. you know, but the 30,000, I don't know if that number is ridiculously inflated. I think it might be. But Even there's more than that. there's more than yeah there's more than <laughs> five you know yeah. and if you count every non-denominational church as its own denomination there's there's got to be it's approaching thousands yeah, you it's know a lot. Uh, but but if they're all being led by the Holy Spirit how come the Holy Spirit who can neither deceive you know nor or deceive be, yeah, or, yeah, or, or, or be, deceived, be deceived you know yeah. uh, how come he's telling people different things yeah. you know well in a lot of the conversations that I have with people who you know even pre being in the Catholic Church, you know, they just eventually, when you're arguing about doctrine and whose interpretation is right, they just come down to, well, this is what I believe. Yeah. And it's, this is my interpretation. Yeah. And, you know, you can be Yeah, everybody across, has a pope. Yeah, it's, right. And, and, and it's and either you, your pastor, or, or the pope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, 
you know, when you when it comes down to it, okay, you have denomination A that doesn't believe in infant baptism. You have denomination B that does believe in infant baptism. I can believe that they're both well-intended, God-fearing men who are full of the Holy Spirit, but they both can't be right. Yeah. You know, and so how do we discern what the truth is? There has to be an answer. Yeah. There has to be an answer, and there has to be a way to figure out what the answer is. Otherwise, Christ has left us in an untenable situation. Yeah, well, like if the only authority that you have that tells you the Bible is God's word Mm -hmm. is the Bible— then the Quran is also God's word. The Book yeah, of Mormon is also right. God's word. You know, any, yeah. any, you know, I could write it on a piece of paper and make my journal God's word by yeah. saying this whole thing's inspired. <laughs> right. So you have to have something I outside was of that under loop. The power of the Holy Spirit when I wrote this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if so, the the church, the church doesn't have that problem, right? Because the church says uh, the Scripture is historical mm-hmm. document. Uh, the historical document says Jesus. Is God right? Right, and and that person who is God uh, establishes a church, promises that the church will never teach error. Mm-hmm. That church then turns around and says the books are inspired. Now we have now we have it's a spiral, but it's not a circular argument, you know. Yeah. So it goes back on itself, but it's not it's not in, inconsistent logically, and and now you can now you can accept. That the you can accept the the the, the validity of the scripture because right. that you have the authority of the church doing it. But otherwise, you're left with this strange uh, possibility of either. It's a, I think there's some Protestants who call it a fallible collection of infallible books. Oh, so right. there might be some books in there that aren't aren't fallible or that are fallible, and some that are some infallible books that are not in it. You know. Wow. But you know, what do you do with um? I think the book of Esther doesn't even mention God. Yeah. You know, so why is that in there? You know, yeah. like how is that inspired unless the church says so, you know, yeah. so. It's, uh, uh, I can't remember who said it, but uh, how does it go that if, you know, if if Christianity is historical, then Catholicism is Christianity. Or is oh, it, I haven't heard that. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, John Henry Newman said to, uh, he said to, um, Immerse yourself in history is to cease to be Protestant. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. Yeah. Same. Same concept. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It. Uh, it's interesting. It's. It's such a comforting thing to feel like you don't have to reinvent the wheel every well, time. Yeah. yeah and, that's the other thing. And there's a, a source you can go to where you can say, okay, I have a question about this within the faith. It's right there. Yeah. It's, it's available for everyone to go and see. It's it's not hard to investigate. And and if it's not, you know, I remember when I was teaching your brother, mm-hmm. kids would come up to me all the time and they'd be like, Mr. Trapeau, what does the church teach about the Matrix? Like, the movie <laughs> The Matrix? Like, nothing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, what does the church teach about Coke or Pepsi? I'd be like, nothing. It doesn't yeah, matter. You why? can have what that, you want. You yeah, know? that's not oh, the church's but, purview. <laughs> yeah, and so, and, and but these are the same kids that are complaining that the church is too much up in their business right, when it came oppressive. to masturbation and right, contraception. And contraception. And, and, like, yeah. well, what is the church? It's all power grab. Like, what, what power does the church have? Right. You know? yeah, the church is oppressing you and throwing you in prison right yeah, now. Yeah, we're, uh-huh. we're the ones who are yeah. keeping you in chains, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it's your own sin, stupid. Exactly. Uh, um, it's, uh, that's funny. It is funny. It, but it's such a comforting thing. I remember because I, you know, you, you're in this weird space before, for me, before I'm in the church where I don't know what church to go to. I don't know what denomination to go to. And it's such a comforting thing when you finally feel like, you know, I know it's within Catholic circles, they you know say welcome home once you've joined the church. and But it really does feel like home. I don't want to be trite or cliche, but there's a lot of truth there. I don't, I don't feel like I have to keep searching to find the way to the truth where 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm afraid to say, okay, well, I'm going to go to this church. Everything's fine for a while. And then am I going to you know, read their doctrinal statement and find something really off the wall? Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hugely stress relieving. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And I, and I had a friend who he, uh, he came into the church. He was actually Mormon. Most, most Protestant churches, as far as I know, no Protestant church, uh, even makes the claim to be the the one true church. I, I, maybe there's maybe like Westboro Baptist, and I think I think maybe some Seventh Day Adventist, or I think there's also like the Disciples of Christ. You know, like they'll rebaptize everybody or something. Right. Yeah. But uh, but I don't think there's if there are any uh, Protestant churches that actually claim to be the church that Christ established. Uh, they're they're very few and far between. Most most Protestant denominations are pretty humble about it. Like, yeah. no, well, you know, you can, you're a brother in Christ. You know, we just we can we can agree about the essentials and disagree about the non essentials, and and which which sounds great until yeah, that's until a funny thing you read why if, if they're non essential why are we disagreeing about them? right exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know but it's always it's always the person who makes that statement. His ones are the essential ones, you know. Right, and, yeah, and, you're, exactly. and, and you're so praying in tongues—that's non-essential. But wait a minute, I'm the Pentecostal. I think it's essential, right? You know? Right. Um, but uh, you know, my my friend. So I, 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 he he grew up as a Mormon. The Mormons claim to be the church, you know, like mm-hmm. that God established. Yeah. But that's it, you know. The Mormons and the Catholics, and so I'm, I've talked to Mormons who said it's one of us. It's not the evangelicals, you know. He, like this one guy, uh, he was he said. It just doesn't make any sense. Evangelicalism just doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's it's got to be the Catholic Church or the Mormon Church. I don't have that same conviction, that, but this Mormon guy did, you know. Hmm. But I I do. My anyway, my friend who converted uh, for him, he had he had an intellectual conversion for the most part. He he kind of argued himself into the church, and he knew, for example, like he he could see why why. Abortion was wrong, uh, but he couldn't understand why contraception was wrong. Okay. And he eventually just said, you know what? The church has been right every time that I thought I knew better. So uh, once once I accept that it has the authority to teach, I'm just going to accept that I'll understand it yeah. when I, you know, as I think about it more, because these, these teachings that are inconvenient for me, the odds that, that me as a, well, I think he was like yeah. 24 at the time or something, yeah. the odds a 24 year old is smarter than the 2000 year old church. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I always think it's funny when, and, and for him too, the other thing was the, the, the question of unity, you know, and if, you know, if, 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 if Jesus prays, if his prayer for the church is father, let them be one yeah. as you and, yeah, I, are you one, and I are one, right. uh, then that means I, I always. This is, another, this is another one of the little jokes I make with my Protestant friends. It'd be like, "Do you think that Jesus is up in heaven, going, hey, Dad, guess what? I'm co-eternal with you, and 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 equal in majesty and splendor." And and the Father goes, "That's nice, son, but as long as you accept that you're the Lord and Savior, that's all we, you know, like that, like that's the essential part, <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah. they, no, their unity is for real, you know. And so if that's the case, there, there can only be one church, you know. Yeah. And the and the division in the church is scandalous, uh, but as my friend pointed out, you know, the Pope isn't going to join CCV. Right. That'll never, ever happen. No. You know, so yeah. CCV is going to have to come towards Rome if, yeah. if there's going to be a, a unification or a reunification of the body of Christ. So, Well, when you can trace a direct line straight back to Christ himself, it's kind of hard to say, well, you know, maybe we're, maybe we've been wrong for the past two millennia. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 um, 
and all the sinners in the church are not an argument against that, right? No, because no. Uh, it, it's always been that way. We've, I mean, like my, my wife gets mad when I say this, but not even Jesus is batting a thousand, you know, because he called 12 and one of them betrayed yeah, him and right. the other one denied him, you know. Uh, so there have been bad bishops from the start, you know. So the idea that there, there's never been a good old days in the yeah. church. Uh, so yeah, no, you're right. And well, and I'll be honest. And for a while, the the scandals in the church for probably a good six months, I had already hadn't admitted to myself that I would join the church. Um, but there was a six month period where the only reason I hadn't was because I was wrestling with the scandals, not from the perspective of can there be this much sin in the church? But from the perspective of, okay, I have a young son. Am I going to be putting him in any kind of danger? Um, so that probably kept me away for, yeah, for half a year. I mean, yeah. it, it is. It's. I mean, how I would be, I would be a bad father if I didn't give it at least some thought. Yeah, you know. And uh, but I came to the same conclusion. I mean, there's in every single church in the world there are these kinds of problems, and it's it's not an argument against it. I mean. As C.S. Lewis say, the church is not a, uh, uh, what is it, a, is it a cathedral for saints, but a hospital for sinners? Hospital for or sinners yeah, yeah, I don't think it's cathedral for saints, but yeah. you take my point. Yeah, museum. Um, I thought it was something yeah, like that, museum. Something like that, yeah. I'll, I'll, make, a, I'll make a note Put for it, the show yeah, notes. Right, so yeah, for the show notes. We'll you're you, you're going to have to email it to me. We'll get it correct. Tonight. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, go ahead. Uh, and so I, I had, had thought about that. It was when the report out of Pennsylvania had just came, come out. This is the one where uh, they had like 300 names of people. Yeah, that was, it was yeah. a lot, and it was bad, and it was sickening. And I read, it was gross, yeah. I read probably 90 percent of it. Um, and I, I, do you regret it or not? Uh, you know, it, it was very sorted in the details. It was so gross. It I, was, I, I was, yeah. I, I mean, I think I dropped an f bomb. Like, like, yeah. you know, like, uh, they were trading. Alter boys like, oh, like, yeah. like baseball cards. Yeah, you know, it no, it, crazy. It, was, it was just total sickness. And uh, I remember um, going to mass with Paul, and I think it was uh, this is our friend Paul, our Sherman. friend Paul Sherman. Yeah, yeah. and um, I had gone to mass with him, and uh, Father Bowling gave a homily about it. Um, and you know, my attitude at the time because I had not entered RCIA yet, um, Paul was pretty distraught, um, and understandably so. My reaction was you know good for father bolding this is something that you know for take for taking, teaching about it for taking ownership of it and not that well not not yeah. ownership <laughs> in the sense that he had done something yeah. wrong but acknowledging that look this yeah. is a problem in the church we understand this is a problem in the church this is the word you know unacceptable does not do justice to the awful things that transpired i mean there's no other word for it yeah. this is reprehensible um, so for me, it just gave me confidence that, yes, I was making the right decision. This is not something that the church is going to continue to try to hide, that there is an acknowledgement that there's a problem and there are things that should be done to be fixed. Um, not only that, but, you know, and I don't know if this is, uh, the right attitude to have, but part of me thought, okay, if the church is going through turmoil, then that's not a bad time to be coming into the church. If I were coming into the church 20 years ago when nobody was talking about it, 
Oh yeah, you're right. That yeah. would be a lot more dangerous than now when things are You'd out be in the l- open. Self, uh, lulled into a false sense of security. Exactly. And I yeah. thought, I mean, this is might sound arrogant, but I thought, well, maybe I can, in some small way, contribute somehow to being a decent part of the body. Yeah. Um, well, it's not going to get better if you're not in it. You know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah. you know, we're not going to get more united if you, if you, if you. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, I remember hearing. You know Malcolm Muggeridge. Do you know that mm-hmm, guy? Is, mm-hmm. He wrote that book and did the movie Something Beautiful for God about Mother Teresa. Yeah, and he kept arguing with Mother Teresa, saying the church needs some people outside of it to to be witnesses that that it is a good thing. And you know, and he, so he was he was kind of taking this aloof position. He didn't want to commit. Yeah. You know, and she kept saying, "Nope, we don't need anybody outside of us." You know, like you, you, you come in, come yeah. on in. And I think he was, you know, nominally uh, Anglican, and and uh, he, she, he, she just kept insisting, "No, we don't. No, you want you come in, come in." And finally, he did come in, and yeah. some people say he was like a just a like a last kind of dig at his uh, Anglican friends oh, or whatever. Really? But you know, but <laughs> but still, I mean, but it's funny. I, I just now. love I love Mother Teresa just saying. Nope, false. Yeah. Like, like like Dwight from The Office. False. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, so that's right. So it's a good time to come in. I mean, I remember. I remember you. You were probably not even conceived yet, but there was a there was an incident in Phoenix where uh, somebody like some idiot kid at a Jack in the Box like spit on a cop's hamburger. Oh yeah, and and then he the, the cop ate it you know yeah and just saying it makes you kind of sick you know <laughs> but i remember thinking after that like you know where the best food's going to be for the next like five months right is, you want to uh, go to that jack yeah, in the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's going to be Their are up. yeah yeah so yeah uh, I, so I, I think i hijacked you again but so you you do so now you're at the you're at mass now with paul mm-hmm. paul did paul take over for your other friend in terms of like your your companionship no, no we're we're still good friends um in, in, Did that guy become Catholic? Uh, the friend, yeah, he became Catholic uh, at the Easter Vigil a year prior to, to myself. That's cool. Yeah, he's he's a he's a good Catholic. Um, and uh, is he still is he involved with the charismatic movement or anything? Is he still like the Pentecostal stuff? Um, you know, he's he's more. I tend to be more skeptical of it than he is. Um, growing up that way, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to deny that it isn't. That it's that it's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a real case to be made that that does happen. Um, it's not your cup of tea, though. It's it's not. It doesn't resonate with me. I mean, the first yeah, time it, I went to church with him, and there were people standing up during the pastor's sermon, you know, just yelling out like, "Not works." That's right, not works. I just kind of went, "Sit down, buddy." He's yeah. Like trying well, that to, that wouldn't be in the Catholic charismatic movement, but yeah. Well, no, I know, but yeah, I, no, it is different. Yeah. But I mean, I grew up, you know, my, the church that I grew up going to was it you could wander in and apart from there not being a tabernacle um you know or confessionals you could say this this looks like a catholic church i mean there's there's stained glass mm-hmm. or pews and white walls and there would and you know it, it looked very much like a catholic church yeah. and it was reverent there's a sense of reverence i think we're so blessed with the mass here because it feels solemn and yeah. somber and but not not somber in a sad way, but no, somber no, in a not serious at all. way. Um, yeah. Maybe sober is a better word. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. You know what uh, I mean? I do. Solemn, I think. Is, I think Solemn's is great. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a, it feels like something's going on. Yeah. You know? Like, like if the queen were to visit, 
you know, you, you wouldn't, you'd be quiet yeah. when, when she was in the room. Right. You, know, you wouldn't be like chewing gum and yeah. like, or even drinking coffee at some of these churches. And yeah, that, sure. Things. Well, it's funny that, that whole thing. It's, I've, uh, you know, I had my, my buddy who came to the church a year before me, he comes from a little bit of a different Protestant tradition. And I remember he came to the rite of welcoming that I had here, you know, just for support and be here. He goes to uh, Corpus Christi. Oh, right, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he came and he showed up in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. And I thought to my, like I told him afterwards, like, hey, thanks for dressing up, you know, I'm, I'm glad you could really make an effort. And he was like, hey man, Jesus wore sandals, I can too. I'm like, yeah, that's true, but you also get more dressed up for work than you do to come be in the presence of Christ. That's that's the that's the right thing because because it is true that Jesus wore sandals, you know. Right. And if you're going to not come because you don't have nice clothes, come when you're yeah, oh your yeah, clothes. precisely. But, but yeah, you know, if you're going to dress up more for GoDaddy or whatever place you work for, yeah, you know, I feel uh, like there's a respect thing. Even even there. even Casual Friday is is more formal than that. <laughs> yeah. You know? But no, that's funny. Um, I, I I'm pretty I'm pretty. I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't tend towards being pharisaical. So I mean, if you if you show up, that's good. If you're going to yeah. be a distraction, oh. that's another story. But, totally agree. But anyway, uh, so I wanted to ask you. To, I don't know if you're finished with your whole story though. So you. you so Father Bolding gives the homily. Mm-hmm. You, you're saying pretty good time to come in because yeah. Um, at least you're going in with your eyes wide open. Yeah. And then and then you decided. To, and is that when we met? Uh, yeah, it wasn't long after that. It was maybe a week or two after that, that I had emailed Eric, um, got his name from the the website. And, you know, my understanding, I did a little bit of research because my buddy was trying to convince me to, um, go to RCIA through Corpus Christi. And Mm -hmm. at the time I didn't know that RCIA programs could vary from church to church. Um, and so, you know, I wanted strong doctrine because I remember saying to you, and I remember saying to my friend prior to saying this to you, um, you know, once I'd become so deeply convinced that I was on the right path, at that point it became a question of how do I worship God most correctly? And I remember mm-hmm. saying that to you in uh, my inquiry interview is how do I worship God most correctly? And there has to be a way. I mean, different denominations can worship, and I'm sure that's pleasing to God as as such. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do his will as much as we possibly can. If he wants us to worship him in a particular way, then out of love for him, we should want to pursue that. Yeah. Um, well, my my friend, uh, this is kind of analogous, but this is that same guy who converted from Mormonism. He talked about how this is analogous. It's not, uh, it doesn't actually, uh, it's not a, it's not 100% analogous, but he, he compared uh, Protestant, He's like when you're when you're like wandering through the desert and you come upon a, he called it a potato shack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. You know, you eat those potatoes, you drink the water that they have. But if if you stay there and and you realize that a day's journey just over the horizon where you can't see it, but is the city or the town that has apples, oranges, yeah, grapes, you know, fully meat, balanced everything, meals, yeah. yeah. Um, it's one thing to to be grateful for the, the the sustenance and the nourishment you got. It's another thing to remain there when there's more being offered. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there was that joke C.S. Lewis made about the about the uh, theologian who. Oh, uh, who, uh, I, I might have said this in one of the podcasts where he, yeah, it's, he, it's he's given a choice between heaven and a, and a lecture, lecture on heaven. heaven. And, yeah, and don't he, choose a lecture. Yeah, don't yeah. choose a lecture on heaven. <laughs> yeah. So. 
uh, so yeah, so yeah, if, if the mass is the highest form of, of prayer mm-hmm. and, and what more could you offer right. than his own son? You yeah. Know? I mean, that's amazing. You so. come and you can experience a, a glimpse of what heaven will be like in the mass. Yeah. Why would you not want to partake? Yeah. Uh, oh man, I heard something the other day. It was really cool. It was, um, I, I, I had forgotten who said it, remembered who said it, and now I'm back to forgetting who said it, but it was really cool. They were talking about, uh, about the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and they were saying how there's you know in 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 some sects of of Christianity that that quest for the Holy Grail is a really big deal. Like we got to find the actual the, the, the actual cup that Christ used that had his his real and true blood. And the person said, you know, in the, in the Catholic that that's more of a Protestant thing because every chalice, every mass, every every chalice is the Holy Grail. Yeah. yeah, and that and and you know it's funny when you. I mean, we can say that and be kind of flippant about it, but uh, if we stop and think, wait, that's actually what we believe. That's what we claim. That's that's number one. That's incredible. You know that uh, that that the Holy Grail is just you know fifty feet away from us, right here, right now, right. where we are. Um, I mean, that's that's an that's an amazing thought. But um, so so you came in, you talked to me mm-hmm. um, yeah. because I was running the inquiry classes, and yeah. you, you came in and and you asked about right worship, and I gave you some profound. I, I, answer. Yeah, I like think you, you said something deep like clown shoes. Yeah, the Catholic Church is you're going to be right at home here or something. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I mean you were you were spot on. Um, yeah. But I, I remember mentioning the Sola Scriptura piece to Eric in my initial email to him. I don't know why. Sometimes my That's first funny. contact with people can be a little awkward and no. a little TMI. But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't believe in Sola Scriptura, <laughs> and I have irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks for the information. Yeah. Didn't ask, hey. but hey, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you get it all worked out. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Been looking into that solo script. So you, so you came in, and now everything's hunky dory. No, like no. What, so no, uh, so, yeah. no, everything. But, you, but no, okay. So just go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, my dad had been diagnosed with lung cancer um, in May of that year. I started RCIA in July. Um, so he was already diagnosed when you. Started. He was already diagnosed, but I mean. At this stage in his sickness, he was, you would never know that he was sick. Because um, it was early, early on? Well, he wasn't, he was hiding his symptoms very well. He hadn't gone through chemo yeah. extensively yet. He hadn't had radiation yet. He hadn't had any surgeries yet. Um, so it, you know, it was just a thing. I would go to his appointments with him and I, I didn't, the two didn't connect um, for me as far as. The faith and his sickness? Um, more, it. I think the reality of what was about to take place was not there. I mean, you don't ever believe that your yeah, no. parents are going to Your parents gonna are die. immortal. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just not a thing. And, you know, he was 66 years old. I was 38. It, I'm like, of course he's not going to die. He's got 20 more years in him yeah, at, least, at least, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, he was a healthy guy. He worked out. It was, he's not sick. Um, so RCIA was great. I mean, one thing I really did appreciate about the program here is that it is very structured and it kind of starts in a very basic concept of why we can believe that God exists and goes all the way through to why the Catholic Church is the true Church of Christ. Um, I understand other programs are not that way from what yeah. I've heard afterwards. I, I didn't know Yeah, that. no, some, some like you know, take your pulse and hold a mirror to your, your mouth to see if yeah. you can fog it. But most, <laughs> most are, most are, Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, like here, 
um, I, like I think I told you this, and I always tell people coming in, I said, if you, if you come here and reject the church, yeah, you're rejecting what the church actually teaches. You know, yeah, because, that's because, a good I mean, way to put it. Eric, Eric, when he's run, the program is based on the catechism, so it's, it's a sure norm. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, it, it might be longer than some people want. It might not be as flashy as some other things or whatever, but, I mean, he's, he knows his stuff and, yeah. and, and you can't really go wrong with, with the catechism. So, right, yeah. Well, and that's my brain kind of works that way anyway. I'm very much okay. We have, you know, the foundation and then the next layer and then the next layer and it's kind of methodical. And I think in that sort of a pattern and yeah. it follows the program here follows that pattern. Yeah. Um, which, which was wonderful. Um, so how did, so, how did your dad's, uh, death affect your, I mean, and was he upset with you coming into the church or anything? No, no, he wasn't actually. Um, I remember I was at his house and I think, uh, Hudson and I were taking him to lunch. Hudson's your Hudson's son. my son. Yeah. yeah. We were taking him to lunch and he saw my materials in the backseat of my truck and he kind of looked back there and he just said, are you, are you becoming Catholic? And I said, yeah, I am. And he just kind of went, oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. He, he grew up Episcopalian. Yeah. Um, Diet Catholic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Catholic without the Pope, as he likes to say. Yeah. yeah. And you can, you can divorce your wife. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah. A lot of other uh, stuff too. But yeah. Um, yeah, he didn't say anything. Um, my mom, interestingly enough, has given me a little more static about it. Hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, I won't get off on that tangent just yet. But uh, yeah, my, my dad um, passed away not long before Easter vigil. He passed away on March 13th mm. of 2019. Mm. So it was a very, how, how can I put it? Um, thank God for my Catholic faith. I, I don't know any other way to put it. It was, um, yeah, it, was it was tough. I mean, it, but I, I don't know how I would have gotten through it. I honestly don't without the church. And I remember telling Eric, one of the things I love amongst many things I love about the Catholic church is that there are so many ways to live out your Catholic faith on a day-to-day moment-to-moment basis. Yeah. Um, sacramentals and you know the rosary and holy water and the communion of saints and I mean, daily mass. It's, you know, the, the Catholic church is really... When, when you become Catholic, everything about you becomes Catholic. Yeah. If you want it to. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Yeah, if, those... you're, if you're doing it right. Yeah, anyway, you know, it's not so. I mean, the, the, that's one of the digs against the church that people used to make was that you could do whatever you wanted all week and then go to confession on Saturday and then, yeah, right. you know. But, but really, that's not. The, if, you're, if you're really a Catholic, then it's affecting yeah. the, the work you do, the. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess that's true for most Christians if they if they really live it out. But, yeah. Um, but I, I found that you know that knock about Catholics it was, it was just the opposite. When I started coming back around to my faith and was going to different Protestant churches and, and on that walk, you know, Sunday I, I felt great, but then during the week, if I was struggling with something or, or some sin I was tempted to or, or something like that, I said, well, how am I going to get? Nourishment. I mean, I, I can pray, and that's that's good. I'm not discounting yeah. that, but there's just something else about having the rosary and having rosary beads and something you can hold on yeah, to. Yeah, again, the, that being and, human. Thing. That being human, having tangible things, and you know, to be in a church that the communion of saints. I mean, this is somebody that I can. I, how many? 
I don't even know if anyone's ever counted the amount of saints that the church has canonized, yeah. and I can pray to any and all of them, yeah, and they will be right there having my back. Yeah. It's that that for me is also really a comfort, you know, knowing too that like I like St. Thomas More, yeah, I'm not into St. John Vianney as much as somebody else might be, you know? sure. Um, but we can all have you know, it's like my. my we don't have we don't have all the same friends, you right? Know what I mean, so like some some of these guys are going to get us, and some guys are not, yeah. you know. So, um, I mean, and, I, and that the fact that that extends to people, you know, that I get to make friends with, you know, Francis de Sales, that's fantastic. Oh yeah, you know? it's so, incredible. Um, I remember when I read uh, Augustine's Confessions. That was probably the the first book that I read that was a you know quote unquote Catholic book. And I think that if I look back, that really was the book that really started, you know, the ball rolling down the hill and picking up speed mm. towards the Catholic Church. Um, because, I mean, you read that book and it's so unbelievably modern and yet it's, what, 1,700, 1,650 years old? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And the way he was thinking about God was the the way that I had thought about God, I mean, which just reinforces that it's a universal thing. Yeah. You know, who is it? Peter Crafe that calls it a properly basic belief to believe in God. Yeah. To not believe in God is to reject something that's basically human about us. Yeah. Um, I love so, uh, Augustine's prayer was a uh, convert me Lord, but not yet. Yeah. To me, I'm like that. That's, <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah. You know, remember, that's me. Yeah. yeah. I remember you teaching RCIA here and having, telling us about this experience that you had where, you know, you had this something, it was, had to do with your family and they were on you about something. And you said, well, I, I just, I didn't want to let it go. I had this little pet sin that I wanted to hold yeah, on yeah, to yeah. and keep in my pocket and just yeah. sit there and be angry about it. It's like, that's weird. I don't know what that feels like. You know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We are, and it's funny too, is because we we have our pet sins, and then we get really mad at other people for for something we don't struggle with. Right. You know? So yeah. like, well, he, well, that guy is. You know, at least I'm not him. Yeah. You know, at least I'm not that kind of a sinner. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's always like that too. With like, you know, well, you know, man, I'm not. I'm, you know, at least I'm not Hitler. Yeah. Right. But you could say, yeah, and. You're, at least you're, but, but you're also not Mother Teresa, you right, know? So yeah. it's like, like, you know, uh, yikes. Uh, so we're, we're getting to the, the, the point where people's backsides are starting to hurt, uh, oh, listening to this yeah. or they've arrived at their destination. So right, yeah. let's, um, let's try and bring it home. So okay. you, you came into the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember going to your dad's funeral and it yeah. was, and I was just, it's weird because I, I've done RCA for a long time and it wasn't until you that I actually, became a sponsor for anybody, uh, you and Yancey and, uh, Mike and, and Mike Lindstrom. Mike Lindstrom. Uh, he's, I'm interviewing him next week, but oh, really? the three of you guys were, were for whatever reason special, you know, and, and oh, thank you. And I'm, I'm, you know, but I remember you, there was something about you. And then, and then I found out, you know, that your brother was the yeah, guy that gave me my nickname. That's, I thought that's that was so, crazy. That but it's so funny. Uh, but you know, I was really, I was just moved by your story. Um, when you were telling it to me just about how you, you were wanting to come in. Um, so I, so I was, I was so happy to, to, uh, to be able to share in that with you and yeah. going to the, your dad's funeral and everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. And I'm, I'm, well, while I was there, I met someone. Did you? A little, uh, secret friend you were hiding. Oh yeah. Uh, so. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, God is so good. Yeah. <laughs> God is so good. 
Um, I will be getting married on March 14th, which is a year plus one day to the anniversary of my father's passing. Wow. Isn't that unbelievable? Um, to a beautiful Catholic woman. She, yeah. Her faith is so strong. And uh, I'm, I'm marrying up in every sense of the word. Yeah, I, with I, can, I agree. <laughs> you yeah. can agree with me. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, because yeah. I know it. And I'm, yeah. you know, I keep thinking, I got to hurry up and put a ring on it before yeah, she yeah, changes you her mind. Make it, yeah, <laughs> make, it, make it permanent. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's, she's awesome. And uh, she's the sharpest woman I've ever met. I was trying to get a job uh, somewhere and she's like, okay, do these things. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, Sergeant. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah. but she was like, but sharp, man. Oh, I, I just, I'm, I was so happy that, that knowing that yeah. you're not going to like, you know, screw up this part <laughs> of my life. Yeah, life. Yeah, you better get this right, kid, because I'm going to ditch you and keep her as right. a friend. Yeah. You know? no, but, she, yeah, she's incredible. And it's just, you know, again, it's, I met her through Catholic channels and I just, uh, I, I can't believe how much I've been lavished, even in my father's passing um, I remember you being there and I remember saying to you beforehand, like, I'm going to, I'm going to quote, you know, oh, some, right. some popes in my, yeah, in my yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was really cool. Actually. Yeah. That was a great eulogy that you gave. Oh, thank um, you. I was, I, I was pretty close to losing it. Um, I kind of did, but it was, uh, it's, it's just a strange walk that we're all on. I mean, yeah. I really feel like it's, uh, I don't know. I, God willing, one day, you know, if I'm with the Lord, I, I, I can't wait to see that bird's eye view of my life. Yeah. Not every part, obviously, because, you know, sorry, no, that's gonna, sorry about that Lord. Yeah. I, I was an idiot and I don't know what to say. I don't have a good excuse. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't wait to have a conversation and, and look back and just say, I, I'm sorry I didn't see what you were doing for me this whole time. Yeah. You know, through everything, through my dad's passing and, and, you know, my fiance, soon to be wife and my son and some of the struggles in that area that I've gone through. Um, it's just, I, God is good. God is yeah. love. And I wish I could repay him as much as he's yeah. given. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. And I feel like that too. Like when you, if, you know, if, if you, like when you're talking about, I just wrote a blog post about God drawing straight with crooked lines. Yeah. You know how if, uh, if my dad had gotten this job in Colorado Springs, I might not have wound up in Phoenix. And then, you know, I wouldn't have married my wife and yeah. met, met my children. And so in retrospect, you look back, it is the straight line. But uh, the when you're at the end of your life, you're going to wish that you'd gotten here sooner. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, why didn't I just take this more seriously? And but but, you know, they say the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago and today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Uh, that's a message for you, um, listeners. Um, come closer today. Uh, I want to ask you my follow-up question. You didn't hear the f full episode, no. so you never heard this follow-up question. This is fresh. This is. Okay, so assuming that you succeed at life and you make it to heaven mm -hmm. and the church... Uh, you know, finds this recording that I forwarded to the Vatican as promised. Right. Well, uh, Pope and Francis is waiting with bated breath. I'm sure uh, for you to die. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so, no. So, assuming assuming that uh, you um, you make it to heaven and you are canonized, uh, okay. and 
you know, a hundred years from now, they're sitting in RCA classes at, you know, St. Jacob Delph of Phoenix <laughs> Parish, right? So we're living in fantasy land now. Yeah, no, well, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's possible. The, so, this I mean, is, uh, it, it's hopeful, right? We, uh, we yeah, got to yeah, hope yeah. for that. Yeah. So let's say you get there, all right? So um, if that parish were to uh, embrace the the unique flavor of discipleship or whatever that is Jacob Delph, mm-hmm. you know, in other words, like if, if they were to live out the way that, that you would want to be remembered mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a Christian, mm-hmm. what would that parish look like? What would that community be like? Wow. Um, what would that community look like? That community would are you asking for concrete examples? What yeah, they would do just like what would, it, what would what would what would a church uh, inspired by the by Saint Jacob? What would they, what would that look like? You know what that would look like. I I like to pretend that I am a very reasonable, logical individual, and that my faith focuses on that, and I'm very solemn and serious, but I think the truth is that I get overwhelmed with love and emotion pretty easily. I just like to hide it. Um, So I think that parish, while they would be strong doctrinally, my fiance would be proud of me for saying this, they would never lose focus of the fact that God is love and to live out your life selflessly and giving of yourself is what you're actually called to do. You know, I think it was Mother Teresa who said there are a lot of theologians who would do a lot more good by just picking up a broom and sweeping a room. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't her. It's, <laughs> that sounds like, it rhymes, first yeah, of all. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I, that was a paraphrase. Uh, yeah, um, but I, 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 I'm, yeah, I think that that sentiment, I think, is probably something she had thought before. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... You know, I, I in a way, I kind of argued myself into the Catholic Church. It's, I mean, the intellectual tradition of the Church is so deep and rich, it's, it's unreal. But it's not just a church of reason. It's a church of faith and love enlightened by reason. Yeah. Reason is in service to faith. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah. And, you know, the, if, if God is truth and love and beauty and goodness, you know, all these things— then it's like it's like the size of a triangle, right? You know, they mm-hmm. they they're they're working towards the same thing, and when they get to that at at the top, they are the same, you know. So yeah. so uh, yeah, the God of truth is the God of love. Um, yeah, I like that answer. I like I like that uh, because it's it's easy to well, it's monstrous to have a God of reason with not without love, you know, yeah. because that's that's. Uh, that's too. That's too cold. Um, very sterile. But but the uh, the you know Frank Sheed says, um, it's if if you have to choose between knowing God and loving God, loving God is what saves you, but knowing Him makes you love Him more. So right. you should do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Anything else that uh, the world should know about you? Like basically, my mom. You know, not, not the whole world. Like. <laughs> I mean, you, not even you finished an episode. So, uh, anything else that uh, like what? What do you uh, what do you do? Like, how, how like can we uh, 
Can we go buy paper from you or whatever okay, it is? No, that, like, no, you know? no. You can't buy paper from me. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything super exciting other than just trying to. What's your? What, but you have a bookbinding business, right? We, we do. Yeah, it uh, was my dad's prior to his passing, and now it's passed on to me. It's Central Bindery, centralbind.com. Centralbind.com. Yeah, it's, it's more geared towards the trade. But if anybody's curious to see what a bookbindery looks like, they're more than welcome to. We're gonna. We're gonna to peruse. It's, there's a Catholic people right now who have books that need need be, need to be bound. We're driving up web traffic with uh, we we get calls with you know little sweet old ladies calling and saying I've got a Bible that's 80 years old. Can you fix this can for you fix me? It? And it's, unfortunately, no, we can't. We're oh. not that kind of a book binder. But uh, yeah, um, no, I just I'm I'm appreciative of the interview. It was great talking. Oh no, well, th- yeah. thank you. Yeah, um, and you're getting married when? March 14. March 14. Oh, you said that. Three yeah. weeks. Holy moly. It's right around the corner. Yeah, so everybody, uh, 3.14, that's pie day. That is pie day. So you're having a wedding pie? Mm-hmm. Not a cake. Uh, for real? No, not for real. Come on. No, no. What's wrong I with you? Because we... Oh, that's, tra- my, that's my church. My <laughs> church is one of church the bad Church of Rob Drapeau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, blessed are... Yeah, blessed, yeah. blessed are Drapeau. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I'd call it, just to be kind of punny. But... Um, yeah, so you should have pie. I'm just we, suggesting it. It's not, yeah, three weeks. You've got plenty velvet, of time. Red velvet pie? Uh, I don't know. You should do... Champagne pie? Something, whatever. Actually, whatever whatever Maria wants is what you should do. Well, we already picked... I'm telling you right now, try the champagne cake. We sampled cakes. It's unbelievable. I'd, well, never, I'd never had champagne cake. All right. Um, I think that's it. So, uh, well, we'll all remember to pray for you on pie day. Please do. Yes, we can use all of the prayers of your listeners, certainly for our marriage. That you got it, that, Mom? That it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we, that we have a, a good good and uh, holy, loving marriage. Yeah, oh, thanks be to God. Um, to God. I think that's a good way to end. Heavy D here. Thanks for making it all the way to the end again. You guys are the best. If you like the show, let me know. Let us know. Let the world know. Tell people about it. Also, leave us a message on the Anchor app. There's all kinds of ways to sign up. Check the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Love you too. There's all kinds of ways to sign up. Check the show notes. The show notes. The ones that I just messed up.